Health is wealth. Health is the new wealth. If you don't have it, <clears throat> there's not a, you don't even have as much money in the world to be able to, you can't buy it. You can't. Mm -hmm. You could maybe rehabilitate yourself to become healthier, but you get this one body for this time that you're here. to chase the ROI all the time, return on investment. And over the course of time, that has evolved into what I call return on life. Welcome everyone to the Return on Life podcast where it's not about the ROI, the return on investment, but about the return on life. And today I have an amazing guest, Tony Singh. Tony's been in the real estate business for many, many years. She's got an incredible story. You're just gonna love what Tony's gonna share with us today. Not on just life, not on just real estate, but on personal development. And we're gonna go deep today, let me tell you. We're gonna go super, super deep. So you gotta stay tuned and listen in right to the very end. So welcome here. Welcome here, Tony. Thanks for having me, Randy. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So when you think of return on life, mm -hmm. let's just start with that question. It's a what, big question. Well, it is a big question, but what comes to your mind? Um, so what comes to my mind is financial freedom, uh, making decisions based 100% on freedom. So decisions coming from a place of abundance rather than making a decision on something because you're afraid or you're scared. Mm. Um, that's a whole other topic. But uh, yeah, I would say return on life is spending time with loved ones or wherever it brings you joy to spend it and having really special experiences that are aligned with who you are. Mm. Mind you, like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm just speaking from the heart. So we'll see. Well, it's when we don't think we know what we're talking about is when we're really talking about something because sure. it comes from the heart. It comes from just the inner being and so forth. Um, we're going to dance around that a little bit more, but maybe share a little bit about your background. Mm -hmm. where, did, where did this whole thing of Tony start? Um, so I was born and raised in Vancouver. And um, I mean, so I'm a local girl when I, I, I did the whole university degree thing and honestly I have different thoughts on that too I basically just went through the motions of going to get the degree because it was something to get like you know when you dangle the carrot mm -hmm. and it was what was expected expected what do you mean by that so the expectations you know I have kids now too so I'm trying to be like I'm sure I'll mess them up somehow no, I'm just kidding. But I'm trying to be mindful of what is important to them and cult help them cultivate what they want to. So when I went to university, basically, I went through the motions of doing that just because it was considered the next thing that you do after high school. And that was very much uh, culturally ingrained, I think, coming from an Asian background and also societally. In Vancouver, it's like, you know, oh, you want to get a good job? You then have to go to university, get your degree. So I went to uh, Simon Fraser University. I got my BA. And then I thought, well, what, what do I do next? My major was in psychology. You can't do anything with psychology in, a, in forms of a, a practice unless you get a master's and then a PhD. So I lined myself up for that. I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna go. I was literally I sleeping PhD through life. Called <laughs> higher and deeper. Yeah, I could. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. 
So then um, I lined myself up for, okay, what, what would be expected of me if I was going to do a master's? But it wasn't coming from a place of heart. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's just like, this is what you need to do now because now you're kind of venturing into the real world, get a real job. Like that, that's the old school, I feel, mentality. I think very differently today. So I ended up um, setting myself up for a master's in psych. In order to do that, you're required to complete a certain number of hours in a research lab. I chose clinical psychology because I liked all the biological sciences and psych stuff. And then I managed uh, part of their clinical psych research lab. But while I was there, I mean, my parents had this discussion with me too. It was kind of like, what are you doing with life, Tony? What are you doing <laughs> with life? And they weren't wrong. But because I was going through the motions and there was no real heart in it, it was just something that I thought was expected, there was no joy. So we're talking about return on life, right? But this is kind of where the start of that contrast feeling that something was not right started happening. So in managing the research lab, I found myself really loving the world of business, not the research. Mm -hmm. And so it was more so I was excited about how many participants we could have in the study given the grant. How would you maximize being able to target a larger sample size in order to have better data? And the questions were very different. So I ended up looking a bit more inwards, decided that it would be foolish of me to spend the money to go do the masters and the time when I really was not interested in it at all. And then I had the conversation with my parents, got into business, did the program at BCIT, the nine month one. I don't think they offer it now, it's quite intense. Um, got licensed for real estate, and here we are. Wow, it's funny how the journey just keeps shifting and changing and things mm -hmm. shape where we end up. And you talk about you know, these questions that just kept coming up. It's really the questions that determine where we end up. It's the quality of question that we ask ourselves. Yeah. It's the quality of questions we ask others that really formulate and shape our journey. So it's interesting that you say that because there was a point in time when I was, if I would have continued on that route, my, my life would have looked completely different. It was kind of like going to a crossroads, right? And it actually would have been easier to continue doing that. So do something that you don't love uh, just because of the prestige that I and maybe my family had associated with that. Well, maybe you become a doctor. Isn't mm -hmm. that nice? Uh, no joy there though. And so when we talk about things like courage, like you, have you ever had it happen where you need to make a decision on something? And we, we kind of talked about it at the, at the beginning. The decision that you make must come from a place of courageousness and really be aligned with what you're setting out to achieve or who you want to become. Mm -hmm. If it's not, your life will look completely different. And also it's you have to use that courage in order to make those decisions. So at that crossroads, I almost didn't do it. I was too afraid to have the conversation with my parents, but then I did because I was just so unhappy. <laughs> well, you, you know, curiosity is one thing, which you have to be curious enough to go and find and ask and do, but then it takes the courage and that courage is the most important piece after you get curious. Mm -hmm. A lot of people forget about curiosity. They just like tune curiosity out. Yeah. But for you to be curious enough to like dig deeper and dig deeper and then have the courage to go and have those conversations and have the courage to do it yourself. Because I think a lot of people, they lack the courage to then go and do it. 
I still struggle with it sometimes because I think that it's part of being human, mm-hmm. right? That we have feelings about things. And sometimes uh, if you're gonna go in a new direction, there's a bit of risk involved, but life is risk. You're born, you don't know how to crawl, you don't know how to walk, you don't know how to talk, and somehow you make it through, but I think we forget that. And then it's like you, you come into adulthood and you're expected to know how to do life. Nobody knows how to do life. So that's, uh, I'm just enjoying every moment. <laughs> Hopefully your listeners get something out of it. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they are. You know, the interesting thing, and I'm just a, a grand dad, grandpa for the first time three weeks ago. Yes, congratulations. And um, something that's come so clear to me as I'm, as I'm holding you know, little Micah, um, <laughs> he's so pure, so innocent, and there isn't a, I could get emotional thinking about it. He's beautiful. It's not a bad bone, a bad thought in this little creature, yet it's all the external things that will enter him that will start to make him who he or is. Or create pressure, and, and it might not even be on purpose. Exactly. And, uh, and we go through life with all these external things coming at us and hitting us and pushing us this direction and that direction. And then find the courage to stay on course and not be. But pushed. what is on course, right? Right. Yeah. So we need what, to is add on on what, what is on course? What is on course? I recently, so I've been doing a bit more work. Um, like I'm still actively selling in real estate. I I'm the team lead. I have my own team. But what's really let's give like, it a plug. Bel Air um, Realty. Bel Air Realty in Vancouver, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> team saying. Um, but what really lights me up at the end of the day is knowing what's possible and going into new areas of business, of life. Like, what do you, I had to ask myself, what do you really want to create? And it's something completely unrelated to real estate. Yes, I will continue to actively sell um, real estate and support my team. And. I'm like, if I was really living a complete life of courage and alignment, what would I pick to do? What would it be? Now, it doesn't have to be one thing, but I'm being more, more and more drawn to um, practices and routines with my children around mindset, growth mindset, and possibilities. Because I think back now, I'm like, okay, I've done a lot of self-development work, as you have Mm -hmm. as well, over the last few years. And mostly the entrepreneurial side and business side of real estate taught me a lot about myself and about life. But it would have been so much easier if I had these skills from the Mm get-go. So I'm interested in doing things with that. That will be another, I'll keep you posted. Skills, mindset. Mm -hmm. Strategy. Strategy. Um, Knowing who you are. Being comfortable with who you are, really important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, forgiving yourself for things. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's, I, I've, there's so many times in my life I go, oh, and I have to learn to forgive myself for that moment, or those things, yeah. or not being in the right place at the right time for family or whatever. But it may you be. couldn't logically. But, logically, that's not possible. Yeah, and also knowing that we're meant to change all the time, so you don't have to stay static. The only constant thing is change. We're always evolving, always changing. So I don't know, over the years, uh, and I have a lot to learn, I think, because I just actually turned 40. Um, so it's a new decade for me. And I, I'm seeing how many more things that I need to improve, that I want to, I don't need to, I want to improve on. I want to learn. I want to bring into my existence and immediate experience. And it's not all business related. And that's why I think it relates to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Right, return on life. Right. Yeah. 
So you talk about change, though. Yeah. And a lot of people say, yeah, I can, I can handle change, but then they struggle with change. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, life is always changing. We need to evolve and just I struggle with it. I struggle with change before, too. Before or yeah. now? Or mm, why I, not now? I hesitate because, okay, I'll share this with the audience. In my deepest, hour, deepest darkest hours, because we all have them, mm. uh, I've come to embrace that it's for a reason. And who you are in those times, like, that's really important to know. Because when the times are tough, and again, we will all have them. If you haven't already, you probably will in the future, and you'll be able to get through it. Um, but I embrace it now because normally once you get over the hump, from my experience at least, something bigger, better, and brighter is on the other side of it. And so now, whenever there's struggle or there's something's changed, I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I embrace change. I think change is really special. It, there's special moments that happen. Like Micah. Like Micah, yeah, Micah. But even even horrible things that happen that force you to change because you learn so much about yourself and you come out the other side and there's something special. Um, I call it an upgrade moment. Yeah, I love that upgrade moment. There's an upgrade moment <laughs> waiting on the other side because you're just so much... You, you understand that situation more clearly, you have more clarity. Yeah. And so you can upgrade that next moment that's going to come. So I think humans are creatures of habit. We like habit, we have routine, we eat at certain points during the day possibly. But what I see with my um, oldest child, my son, he's eight, is that he also doesn't embrace change because when he's used to something, it's familiar. And I'm trying to get him to embrace, okay, it's like familiar, but if you always expect the same thing, you always get the exact same results. There's no way for you to continue to grow and move ahead or take different directions. So we're working on that kind of stuff right now just for fun at home. But um, I'm seeing that there is a new way to integrate these strategies and support for at least my, it's working with my kids, so we'll see every child is different, um, to facilitate more creativity, curiosity, and an abundant lifestyle, but whatever they want, right? Like I'm not, I'm also not a huge advocate. I did the whole university thing. Um, I, for my kids, don't think that it's necessary that they do that. If they want to, okay. If it's for something specific, sure. Um, but it's interesting because my belief systems around that are quite different than my husband's. Um, and like, you know, the older generation too, they're like, no, they absolutely must do this. I said, but why? I mean, you're basically, yeah. Well, you talked about, <laughs> you're talking about flow and you actually were yeah. talking about flow. Yeah. And, and I have a word that I say, let it go. Yes, let it go. Just let it go. Yet we have such a hard time of letting it go and letting somebody else actually even take control of a situation. So what is, I've asked myself this, for you, what does letting go mean? Because what's really irritating in the personal development world is when they're like, oh yeah, don't worry, just let go. But that's a different thing than like actually, how do you let go? What does it mean? And what are the steps like for you as Radney would take to actually let it go? Well, I have me, a method now too, that's why I'm asking. Yes, <laughs> well I think letting it go means that mm. I am willing to listen to somebody else's direction and taking their direction and being coachable. So 
Um, if I'm in a deep place, a hard place, I need to then not just rely on my own instinct because my instinct will just take me back to the same place. Survival. Survival. So I need to actually reach out and find others and not even, not even, often it's not even the person that you would think would be the right person. It's being open to hearing from others that just randomly fall into your life yeah. during that moment. We, that kind of happened with us, right? Yes, it did. <laughs> and now I just value you so much. You're a great person. I consider you a good friend. Mm -hmm. If I needed advice, I would call you. I hope you know that. Yeah, you call I would, and, and vice versa. I mean, I would expect to hear from you if you needed help on something, you know? So tell me about your process then. What is what is this process? So what, okay, uh, the process, say what it was though. So the process yeah. of when you're in those darkest moments, how do you oh. work through them now? Okay. What if, what's changed so, or what's new? Okay, so for me, the process leading up to it has changed. So I've been coming really a lot more observant and aware of what happens in my body. It sounds weird because before, so I'm the type of person where I would always be able to push through, push through, like it started from a very young age. If I had emotions or feeling towards something, I would, I would, I was able to compartmentalize, push it aside and push through to do what needed to be done. But the problem with doing that is that it shows up in the body and it'll show up in other places, right? Because then there's no flow of energy. So. For me... So not boxing, not putting everything in a box, in its own little box? Well, so the first part is actually awareness. Okay. Okay, so for me, I can... I don't know what it's like for everybody, but I've noticed that I actually start to hold my breath a bit. It's very subtle. And when I hold my breath a little bit, it actually means that I'm anxious about something. I might not know what it is. It's like subconscious, but consciously... How it shows up is that I'm holding my breath. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, holding my breath. And then the next part of it would be, so one, you're, you're aware, you realize what's happening in your own body. It would, it might be different for somebody else. Second thing is actually not attaching it to something, but why is this happening? What is it in regards to? Oh, in this circumstance, it could have been in regards to, for example, when I became team lead of my team, I had anxiety around that. Because I needed to be different. I needed to be a better leader. And there was the inward stuff, right? It's like, well, you can't just be a team lead without providing value and support. And it was a big responsibility. So I actually carried it in my body. And then after I realized what it was for or what it was from, it was um, doing these three deep breaths that I normally do which kind of gets the ego to go away and it's like, oh, okay, these are, you, you basically formulated in your mind the worst possible case scenario outcome that could happen. And realistically, that's not likely gonna happen. And then the, the last part of that is that I just trust. I'm like, I've made the decision that this is important to me. I will take the necessary intentional action steps to allow it to happen. And the third part is just having faith and giving it up to the universe and trusting, which I never did before because I've had things happen in my life where I, I don't trust people. And it wasn't because I'm not trustworthy. It was because of my experience in life where it showed me in those times that I couldn't trust people. Hmm. Yeah. 
And so, a whole psychoanalyst. <laughs> right. And not that you have got, not gone to school for this either. Yeah. Yeah. So, so shifting that mindset to now being trusting. Yeah. Was there? Because we're talking about change too, right? Change. Yeah, change and trust and all, like all of those things were happening. Uh, was there a crucible moment, a, a time that shifted that, or yeah. is that just evolved? Do you want me to go there? It was 20, 2017. Please. Okay. Um, if so you're comfortable. Oh yeah, it's okay. This is actually there's been a few amazing experiences that have happened since it, it actually started in twenty ten, but we'll talk about twenty seventeen because this was the moment. It was very pivotal for me. So in twenty fifteen, I had my son. He was my firstborn. And I my real estate career at the time was taking off. I had done a lot of work, Randy. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of work. I was door knocking, cold calling, reaching out to people. I was um, up until my due date door knocking and I was taking listings. And I thought that I would have this amazing experience where then I would go into labor, have the baby, and everything would be good. The labor didn't happen that way. It it ended up being an emergency and I wasn't able to uh, have him naturally. So when you have a C-section, it takes you out for a couple of weeks because it's, it's quite a serious surgery, which I didn't realize. <laughs> and I had listing appointments that I had booked from the door knocking for, like I thought it would take me a week to recover. Wow. And I would go on these appointments. Not it was driven, very right? unrealistic. <laughs> but the point of this, it are, it's twofold, is that, okay, the labor didn't happen the way that I wanted it to. That's okay. And also, I was physically incapacitated. I was not able to walk very well because there was infection that kind of stuff and I couldn't go on the appointments so during this time it was 2015 all the way up to 2017 I still went on the appointments I had my mom drive me she told me that she wasn't going to but I told her that if she didn't drive me to the appointments I was going to take a taxi and pay the taxi driver to wait outside so it didn't matter I was going to go and then she luckily took me and then I would breastfeed after in the car that kind of stuff But those two years, 2015 to 2017, where it's a lot having a new baby. Your first. It was my first, and there was health stuff associated with that. Uh, I didn't fully heal. When the baby was napping, you're supposed to nap as the mom. I did not do that. I was placing follow-up calls during the nap time. So I was really running on no sleep, and that was two years of no sleep. Mm -hmm. Like maybe three hours? But also, don't forget, if you're breastfeeding, it's like, it's a lot. So um, in 2017, my health ended up, it was like slowly going like this, going down, 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 down. It just plummeted. There was nothing left because I was really running on fumes for those two years. I wasn't replenishing. I was either uh, feeling guilty when I was with clients about not being with my son. And when I was with my son, I was feeling guilty because the business had been my baby and I worked very hard to have that client flow, you know? Mm -hmm. So in 2017, um, we didn't know quite what was wrong. I was losing my hair. Um, <clears throat> my skin turned a you know, gray, yellow color. I looked very ill, but I wasn't aware. It was still like, you know, I still have things to do. Still want to make money. So return on investment. Yeah. Um, support the family, that kind of thing. And then it, it got to the point where <clears throat> I was actually so sick that uh, 
uh, my body was shutting down. I had anaphylaxis every every month I was in the hospital because I was reacting to all of these weird things. And it was just my body saying, no, stop, rest. You've treated yourself really badly for those two years. So I, had, I, I ended up uh, getting a diagnosis on that. And then um, the treatments were laborious. And sometimes when you're in treatment for things, it can actually make you feel worse. Like you already feel really bad. Right. But I mean, I actually felt like I was going to die. It was six days a week, like the IV therapies, all that kind of stuff. But then I had this moment where um, my son was two at the time. And you know, they're just so bright, but I, I actually couldn't look after him because when I was in the treatment, sometimes I, I would pass out or something, right? So I couldn't be left alone with him. And I was still selling real estate. And I didn't have a team at the time because it was only me. If you don't have a team, you're the team. You're doing it. And then I remember this one time I was in my car driving to the IV um, <clears throat> appointments. And I never grew up with faith of any kind. So I grew up atheist. But I was so over it and so done that I just said out loud, I'm like, I need help. Can you please help me? Not an idea of who I was even talking to. But I was, I was tired because I couldn't get up off the washroom floor. I could only drive myself to these appointments, stay there for seven, eight hours, go home. Sometimes I'd negotiate on the phone. And for the first time ever, I had asked for the help, not knowing from where. I'm like, I just have to trust that it's gonna happen. And uh, I started saying no to certain clients and prioritizing my health because I literally couldn't do it. And so that was the, but, but this is important because my parents were watching me and my husband was watching me and my son actually, I hope that it's not because of this, but he has a fear of death and stuff now. <laughs> I hope that it's not from that, but it was interesting because um, when I look back on that experience, it was literally uh, the best thing that could have happened for me. Um, the treatments lasted almost a year and I relapsed once. So it's been okay since then, but uh, what would have happened if I kept going that way? Wow. I don't know. You know, we've had a lot of deep conversations on Return on Life. I don't podcast. think I told you about that ever. Though. No, you didn't. No. But listeners, if you, if you get anything out of this podcast, this is it. This is really what Return on Life is about. It's not about chasing the dollar all the time. And... In so many things, I mean, what you went through. Un- it was a good experience. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, but also it was of my own making too, right? I hadn't realized that. So I was so focused. And this is why I, we probably get along so well because I don't do anything ever for the money or for currency of money. It, it's important. And I, I do like money. But I will not make decisions based on that ever. If something's out of line today. with my, today, if something is out of line with my principles and what is important to me, and you know, sure, I actually had this happen last year. I had a. I won't give a lot of details for privacy and that kind of stuff, but uh, I had the ability to make seventy five thousand dollars, one transaction, and I said no. It's not like I couldn't have used that money. I'm supporting a family of four. But what they asked me to do was not in line with at all who I am. I just, no. And what was funny 
is I said no to that and I and I sent them, you know, positive energy to, to hope that it worked out for them. I just didn't want to be a part of it. Um, but then what was really funny is that clients kept popping up <laughs> to replace the 75,000 from that one. But it was not uh, in alignment with, again, who I am. And it, it happened naturally on its own from other places. So that was a little bit of faith too, right? Because yeah. So the universe replacing what you gave up, well, what you needed you to give up. Well, you wouldn't want to say yes to that. You can do a lot yes. with that money, especially if you're feeding kids, right? Because I have more kids now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that the from the takeaway from this conversation too is that it's true. What they say is that the greatest currency actually is is wealth. Wealth, or sorry, health. Health is wealth. Health is the new wealth. If you don't have it. <clears throat> there's not a you don't even have as much money in the world to be able to you can't buy it you can't mm -hmm. you could maybe rehabilitate yourself to become healthier but you get this one body for this time that you're here and one purpose yeah. we can have many purposes but we we have a purpose in life and that's to bring value to others and yeah. your purpose today is significantly different than it was then well I just wanted to make money back then that's why I got into real estate too, kind of, right? And so, like, I used to work nonprofit <clears throat> before. So I, I um, we talked about the clinical psychology lab. You don't get a lot of money, uh, paid a lot of money for, for doing that, um, although it is a job. And also, I used to work nonprofit specifically with women and children. I've always been interested in that ever since I was in high school. Um, but... Unfortunately, like I, I love the nonprofit world. I love a lot of those causes. The challenge was that I didn't have the skills to be working in that capacity and also be more abundant financially, right? Because, so one of the things that I would like to do is, um, I really want to get back into that realm for sure, but now I have the financial means to do so, which is why I had to go slightly off path a bit and then went into real estate and it taught me a variety of other things about myself and the world and people. Right. Can we talk about faith? Yeah. So from you saying I was an atheist mm -hmm. to having a faith, what does that mean today? And how do you live today versus then? Like, How deep do you want me to go, though? You can go as deep as you want. Because there is something, and um, it might scare some people, but I'm happy to tell you about it. Please. Okay. Yes. So, and then I'm gonna answer your question. <clears throat> so, uh, what is it now, 2023, uh, end of 2023. So 2021, like the COVID pandemic was really interesting. Um, <clears throat> when my husband and I look back on that time, it actually brought us closer together because for us, we were able to even further decipher what was important to us in terms of values and as a family, right? So we were already kind of on that path and then, being together and, and not having access to certain things and you're not seeing other people um, really shone that light on up for us. But in 2021, my dad got really sick. We did a polar bear swim uh, mm -hmm. in Vancouver, on Vancouver Island. It was the coldest one that I've ever done because we've done them before. It was not enjoyable. It was awful. And so if it was ever like that again, I wouldn't do it. Um, anyhow, we, we did that with the kids and then my dad, ended up getting pneumonia from the swim yeah this is two years ago actually almost to the day right. when we're filming this because we're into december right and so he ended up getting really ill 
um, we all got a cold, but he had had pneumonia just several months, uh, sorry, a couple years before that and never fully recovered because it can be quite taxing on the lungs. Yes. So it affected him differently. And um, the long and short of it was that during this time, I had this feeling. I don't know where the feelings come from. They just happen. But uh, he started to get a bit more sick. My mom took him to the hospital. When he was in the hospital, I had this feeling inside that he was leaving. I told you it was going to go deep. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what's happening. But I had this feeling that he was leaving the earth plane or whatever you want to call it. And I was negotiating a deal, a really big one on a land assembly. Not with God. But at yeah. the time. No, <laughs> an actual real estate deal. Yeah. And so I stopped what I was doing. Like There was still time. It, there was a time clause, but it, and it was short. I'm like, oh, this is weird. So I put what I was doing down. And I said to my mom, because I was at my parents' house, I said, I have to go meditate right now. I, I was never a big meditator either. I couldn't quiet my brain enough. I just didn't believe in any of that stuff. Um, but through the health journey and the health crisis that I had, it has actually helped me. So I do meditate now. And I said to my mom, uh, I'm expecting a call back. If my phone goes off, please pull me out of meditation because there is a time clause on this for like the next two hours, so I have to deal with it. If not, let me stay as long as I need to in here. So I meditated in front of the fireplace. And it was weird because I dropped right in so quickly. And all of a sudden, I was in his hospital room. And I'm like, Tony, you're a weirdo. Because <laughs> when this happened, I'm like, where am I? I don't understand. I'm meditating, but I was in the hospital room. And then I look. I'm like looking at a garbage in the hospital room. I look to the right. And my dad's in the bed, and he's surrounded by these three tall golden light things, figures. Now, again, I grew up atheist, haven't really believed in anything, have just started trusting my intuition and, and the universe and things like why things happen, I don't know, but things happen for a reason. And so they let me approach the bed, and it was weird because in my heart, I knew that he was going to leave, but in my, it wasn't actually like I was in my mind. I was observing things and I had a knowing in my gut and in my heart. Heart knew he was going to leave. And in my gut, I'm like, I have no idea how to make sense of this situation at all. I don't know what's happening. But I approached the bed and I had said, and I did say this on our podcast one time because I was quite vulnerable after. I said, uh, it's my express wish that you decide to stay here with us a while longer. And I understand if it interferes with any soul contracts, if you cannot. And I'll, I'll let you go now. You have to figure it out because I knew he was going to. But I didn't even know what soul contracts were. This came from me. And I'm, when I came out of meditation later, I'm like, what the heck is a soul contract? So anyhow, right after that happened, I guess, I was no longer there and I was in front of the fireplace again in physical body but I guess the whole time I was crying because the my body had tears all down my face and I'm like that was the weirdest thing ever so I was quite freaked out by that it wasn't actually something that was embraced I was terrified at what I had seen and what had happened and I didn't know how to make sense of it because no one in my uh, personal realm also had ever shared those experiences and then I got a call from the doctor at the hospital saying that he was dying and they had to basically put him on a ventilator. They were gonna do it now. There was no time. They let me know if he survived. So to answer your question about faith, 
And this is one example. I've had other things happen since then. But this was paramount for me because all of the things in the last 10 years leading up to this point, which was two years ago, there were breadcrumbs along the way, but I chose not to see it. Or even that day in my car when I said, help me. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but things did did improve after that. I actually ended up slowly getting better. The treatment was a year, but there was improvement. So <clears throat> I think, I, I know, I know that there is um, something something higher or not higher I don't like that term but something else out there where there's a purpose for sure I think that we're all actually in this together and we're meant to contribute collectively um, and above all I prioritize the following it would be love kindness joy and collaboration so as and long forgiveness. as and forgiveness for my but that was the thing is that I'm easy I easily forgive others in the past I've been uh, more hard on myself so not able to forgive myself and now it's just such a relief because it's like oh yeah I forgive myself how would I have known that that's just crazy why would I put that on myself that I would feel guilty about that because there was no way I could have known so I hope that that answers your question I know that there was a long story with that but absolutely a hundred percent in my being and soul, I know that there is a higher presence. So people call it God, other things, you know, and yeah. What yeah. are your thoughts? Well, well, we, there's, there's a spirit world, no doubt. Yeah. And the spirit world, um, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so my belief is in God and Jesus Christ. Yeah, I believe in God now, but and people call God different things, so that's a thing. So True. I think it's actually all the same so, thing. So, you know, we, we have different... <laughs> a different version of God. My God is is the Holy Bible. It's mm -hmm. God, the Creator. Uh, Jesus Christ yeah. is my Savior. Um, and, and But there is that being. And I think when we all understand that, uh, it significantly changes how we see life. Yeah. The day we see each other differently. It's a lot easier, though. Oh, it's so much easier. And business is easier, too. It's so much easier. Business is so much easier. I, I often have these thoughts, these moments that come to me out of nowhere. Nowhere. In fact, yeah. even people I've never met call this person. Yeah, me too. And I, and I, I listen to it now. Call. Like, oh, I guess I have to do that. <laughs> And it becomes something special. I, um, I enter rooms that I have no idea what room I'm entering. Why am I? Why, why am I supposed to be here? And wonderful things happen. Yeah. And so it's, it's been you prepared. have to embrace it. It's been prepared and laid out for me specifically. So when I shared that story with you, because I haven't been able to until recently share that story more, because uh, it probably it freaked me out, and then other people don't always receive it well. As a Christian, you're Christian, right? What is your interpretation of what happened in that moment? With your father? Yeah, that was, I, I'm like, what are these tall golden light beings? It was strange because it didn't even, I couldn't even, it looked like they had cloaks or something on. Okay, I'll tell this one, one part to you and then answer this question. Okay. Because I told my husband, I thought my husband was going to commit me to a mental asylum, but I had to tell somebody that this had happened. So I told David, and uh, he didn't say anything. He just said, okay. And we were, mind you, during that whole night, it was an awful, 
evening because we were waiting to hear from the hospital about whether my dad survived or not. But the next day, so my, my brother Warren, who you know, and his now wife came into town because we were prepared for the fact that we, we thought my dad was going to die. So they came back into town from the island. And uh, we're sitting at the dinner table, just kind of being together. Um, and then my husband said, can you tell me about those three golden lightnings that you saw again? So I described them the same way because it's forever ingrained in my memory now. Mm -hmm. I can't get rid of it. And uh, he said, oh, that's so interesting. I'm like, what? He said, you know, about a few months ago, I was online looking at um, something else. And it was strange because I was on YouTube. It took me to this near-death experience documentary or something. And I wasn't searching for it, but it was so interesting. I decided to see what it was about. And then I, I scrolled through the comments and there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. And he said, in the comments, for people that either experienced a near-death experience themselves, or it was a child of theirs that almost passed away but didn't, they describe the light beings that you saw the same way. And I said to my husband, I said, you couldn't have told me this yesterday when I actually thought I was losing my mind. That was a challenging day. He's like, well, I didn't know what to make sense of it either. So what do you think that it is? You're a Christian. Um, is it scary to hear that or is it just like normal? I think it's comforting. It's comforting to me too now, but... It's comforting. I, I don't know if I have an opinion on what those three light beams were <laughs> or beings were, but um, I mean, I've experienced moments where I've had light in my life come in and I've been meditating, praying, and it's just um, the room's filled with light. Yeah, I have too now too. Um, yeah. You know, I've been in moments where I've almost died. Really? You've never shared that with me. Have you shared that on the podcast? <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> well, I broke my neck when I was 14. Okay, wait, no, you did tell me that. You did tell me and that. And so, you know, that was a, that was a really painful, uh, traumatic moment mm -hmm. at 14. Um, but it's really where I found the purpose in my life in, in a way. Um, didn't understand it all at 14. Uh, yeah, I still don't understand it all when I'm 40. Yeah. But... Um, had a doctor come to me and say, you shouldn't be alive. Mm -hmm. You should walk. Yeah. God has a much bigger plan for you. Mm -hmm. Here I am today. And um, being able to touch, you know, not just a few, but many. Yes, you're doing great, spectacular yeah. things for people. And we appreciate you. Uh, well, we're together because I think God has brought us together. I think so too. I think because so you've shared some incredible things with me, um, and this this I hadn't heard. So thank no. you for sharing. That. <laughs> I hope it's okay. Yes, you know, but I think we, if we bring it back to business, yeah. um, you know, there is there is somebody working on our advocating for us at all times, and we don't recognize that. I don't think we accept it. We don't recognize it. We don't listen. We don't hear for it. Mm -hmm. But there is always. Uh, um, in my case, I believe God is always advocating for me, moving in front of me, preparing, and um, and I think we need to like recognize that in business. I think so too. Um, a great teacher had told me um, because I was resistant to bringing more money actually in for myself. It was it's a whole different story, but it's kind of related. 
um, and also spirituality. And she said to me, um, Tony, uh, entrepreneurship is a spiritual journey. And she was not wrong. Mm. Yeah. So true, so true. Wow, that was really <laughs> awesome, really deep. Yeah but our listeners are gonna get something that they've never experienced before. So thanks for sharing that story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. We might stay deep here yet. <laughs> Whatever you wanna do is fine. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self then? Knowing all of this, what would you tell your younger self? <laughs> okay, this is a big question. Let me think for one moment. Uh, I think that I would tell my younger self, honestly, I would just tell my younger self that everything is going to be okay. Everything is okay. There's nothing and no place that you actually need to go. Enjoy the journey. You know, because who even knows? I don't even know what I'm going to be doing. And see, this is why I'm embracing the change now. In the next two to five years, because I have this feeling that I want to work on something else. No, no, carry on. Okay. Um, you know, I'm really excited to ask you the, oh, ask the next question, but yes, Oh, no, no, on. it's okay. No, I just, I'm excited about it because if we're looking at true alignment, right, and we, we've talked about that before, like, yeah. well, how do you know you're aligned? So for me, it's a feeling, and um, I'm quite certain that it has to do with uh, helping my kids, uh, cultivating a higher consciousness mindset with children, and also healing in some way, or way, shape, or form. Right. I'm, I know that that's what it is, but I don't know how it's gonna execute, so that's kind of one of the fun things. And then when we look back in a few years at this conversation, we'll see what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So gifts and superpowers, uh-huh. they can change a little bit or we gain new gifts, new superpowers along the way. I was listening to Ed Milet's podcast, great podcast okay, today he had Jim Quick on and Jim, I know Jim Quick like the brain guy yes and he was on it's it's awesome awesome, awesome. Story. but he talked about his superpower of allowing him to be small so Jim's story is he had a brain injury and you know he was he was always pushed back in the corner and not able to learn right he couldn't learn the same way as other people that's right and here he is the spectacular the genius at understanding how to learn and, and, and memorize things and that. But he talked about his superpower of allowing himself to be small because he was so uncomfortable when he was younger because of his brain injury mm-hmm. that he would just pull his, his stomach in, mm-hmm. get small, not breathe. Yet today that's his superpower in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your greatest gift or, your, or, or one of your superpowers that maybe was something that wasn't so special and you kind of like, oh, but today mm. it's really incredible for you? I would say it's my emotional intelligence and psychic gifts because, so I had them as a child. It made me weird. People get afraid of that. It made you weird in your own mind or, no. or others thought you were so, weird? So um, there was this one instance actually where I was, you know, I, I was a bit of a different kid. I asked different questions too, so I was kind of on my own a lot. I did have friends, but I mean like when I was really young, three to five, maybe three to six, you know? Um, 
there was a, a family friend that was actually secretly going through a divorce, but I can read and feel energy, right? And it was really hard because she, I could tell that she was suffering so much and it made me feel bad. Um, so I had said to my mom or to this person, oh, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. And she got scared because she hadn't told anybody what she was going through, but I could feel it. And so she didn't actually tell us this until I became an adult. But I knew that she, because I could feel, she, she retreated. So uh, back then I think it made me weird. It also was overwhelming. And that's one of the reasons why I had to shut off feeling. Because one of the gifts of being empathic is that you can help people. And you can, there's a difference between what somebody says and, and what they mean and what they're actually feeling. There are all these layers, right? So the superpower in that is like, okay, it can be overwhelming if you feel too much because it's not actually your emotions, it's from somebody else. The superpower and the gift in there is that I really truly can help people. I've, I've also been able to help clients as well. And it's not an overstep, it's just like, I'll help you navigate through it. And they come to the conclusion on their own, but it's truly a gift I'm really grateful for. And um, this is the first time I've ever admitted that now. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, let's go into the future a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, all of this amazing stuff that you've been through has set you up for something so amazing. I'm I don't sensing. Know. I'm I am sensing something so, so amazing <laughs> for you, Tony. Um, what do you think that is in the next one, three, five years? You know, I, I don't rightly know what it is, Randy, but I'll say this. I want to give back. I don't know what it's going to look like. So I, I feel happy and joyful with the fact that I've been giving back as much as I can. And what does that mean? I mean, with people that I meet on the street, because they're just a stranger who you haven't become friends with yet. I mean, people within my inner circle, friends, family, like if I can help, I'm going to help. Um, and I would love to do that on a larger scale of some kind to impact more people. Um, I mean, I guess that's also why Jenny and I developed the podcast, In the House podcast, which was born during COVID as well because nobody was seeing each other. Um, we wanted to create an aligned community of amazing aligned people that have the same values and growth mindset, and they also want to give back. So that's how the podcast was born. And it is an amazing podcast. We just had you on. I You're know, an amazing well, guest. Well, it was so guest. fun, and it was so great having both of you doing the podcast. Uh, really uh, enjoyed that. It was very, very, well, thank you very, very cool. Yeah. Do you see uh, the industry shifting substantially or staying? I mean, everybody says it's changing, it's changing, but is it changing or is it just the same rut with different honestly i don't know if i'm right about this but i think it's the same there are there's technologies that are changing so in terms of uh lead capture uh possibly how we follow up with people mm -hmm. sure that's transformative you've got ai and everything now it can it can do that as you know right. um but i still am a firm believer that there are people that crave human interaction there's a specific skill set that both you and I have developed over our many years in real estate. You can't easily replicate that, I don't think, right now through AI programming yet. Yeah. Quite, right? Like AI, human intelligence yeah. beats yeah. AI yeah. Yeah. in most things at yeah. this point still. Um, but there's things that happen during a negotiation, right, where you need to be able to navigate through. So there's no 
one cut and dry answer for how to deal with things. And so in terms of us as needed in the industry, I think that the true professionals and people that have um, good hearts are who are gonna flourish. That's what I think. And so, yeah, I don't know if that's kind of- I, I, I believe you're right there too. I think there's gonna be less realtors. Yeah. There's going to be realtors that are going to earn potentially more money. And so the haves and the have-nots, there'll be a bigger gap when it comes to Probably. real estate agents. Yeah. And, um, and I think the consumer is going to be wiser. And that's a good thing. In choosing who they work It's with. better if they're educated to make, you know, yes. they know enough to make an educated decision. That's what we help clients with too. It's not that we want them to trust blindly because why, why would you and why should you? Their AI is going to tell them who to work with. <laughs> I better actually get on the AI bandwagon then. I think it's your AI is going to be talking to the consumer's AI and they're going to put the two of you together. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we have a, a really bright future in the industry. Uh, it's obviously changing and shifting, but change happens and you just have to embrace it. Embrace it and uh, you know, light your hair on fire and go, oh no, no, but uh, yeah. just embrace it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the future. I'm, I'm excited to see um, what other things you come out with as well. And I'm excited, I'm gonna put this out there too, for a collaboration at some point. We don't know where we're gonna end up. Which is why we're here. Yeah. It's all about collaboration. Yeah. We're all better together. Yeah, I think so. Uh, fantastic. Okay, bit of a speed round. We'll finish it off with some speed, speed round. So, um, <laughs> Fine dining, Uber Eats, takeout, or home cooked meal? Home cooked meal. Home cooked meal. And what would that home cooked meal be like? It would probably be a steak because my son likes red meat. Three different vegetables <laughs> because we need that for nourishment. And um, a simple rice or quinoa because my kids need carbs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Audible or book? I prefer book when I have lots of time. That's like my special place. But as a busy real estate professional, audible because I'm commuting and it's the only way to get that other information in. But favorite pastime would be a book. Right. When you're reading a book, do you take notes? Do you do anything special with that? I used to, but now I've come to realize that um, my favorite books, I read more than once. Mm. So I've loved Og Mandino's Greatest sales per Salesman in the World or Salesperson in the World. Great book because kind of what we're talking about too, right? It's not just about making the money. There are all these other things. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great book, but I'm a firm believer that if I'm reading it for the first time, I meant to get out of it whatever I meant to get. When I read it the second time, there's a different lesson for me because we're always evolving. So I don't take notes in books anymore. Mm. Uh, I, this is what I do with a book. Tell me. Is I'll read and then I find a page or a paragraph <laughs> I just need to remember. I'll circle it or put a star behind it. Then I'll go to the front page of the book and, and write the page, the page number. number. And so I can go through the book later on and just go to those important pages. Okay. I do do something then really, really transformative um, messages in books, I just fold the page mm -hmm. so that I can go back to it if right. needed, but that's about it. <laughs> cool. I like your method. Telephone call, text, or email? Telephone call. Telephone call. Gotta talk, right? 
learned so much by just the voice, the inflection, exactly. the tonality. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so good. Um, band or genre? Oh, you want me to answer? Yeah, which one your I favorite think? band or your favorite genre? Classical. Classical. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How about uh, voice? Classical voice as well? Uh, no, I like the. Like I'm a big fan of Bach and like you know the orchestra ones. <laughs> I really uh, I like listening to that while I'm working now. Mm. Yeah. It opens up your mind. It does. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Last question. Trick question. Sure. If you were a scratch and sniff sticker. Oh. So if you're a scratch and sniff sticker, mm. and I scratched your arm. What would I smell? I'm gonna say watermelon. Watermelon. I don't know why. I'm thinking because um, when I think of watermelon, it reminds me of my childhood, which I, I would say was pretty great. There's a lot of happy memories there, and I I feel as though the smell is kind of like bright, light, and um, fun. I love it, and I love watermelon too. <laughs> yeah. My mom used to make a, a really cool meal. Um, a Mennonite meal called what is it? watermelon and rollkuchen. What and is that? Rollkuchen is a biscuit, a deep fried salty biscuit. Oh. And you eat the watermelon with the rollkuchen. I've and never tried that, but that actually sounds like it could work. You can substitute like a like a taco chip. Yeah. <laughs> or like, sour cream and onion chip kind of works too. Interesting. But it's a really neat cross of I'm going to try that this summer. I've never tried that. Maybe the chip with like the watermelon. I'm gonna have the recipe too. Okay, I'll try it. So it's good. Well, Tony, thank you for being on the Return Love podcast. What an amazing conversation! I learned yeah. so much more about you. I have so much more respect. Oh, really? For you? Oh my goodness! <laughs> so. Thank you, viewers, for watching. You just were treated with so much value today. Thank you, thank you, Tony Singh, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>